speaker. All right, ladies. I'm so excited about introducing our speaker this morning. Um, friend, it's really more the way I want to say uh, that uh, Dan Seaborn has come and just blessed us every year. And every time I ask him, he always says yes. And so I just keep asking. And so he always comes with a word, uh, especially for us this morning. You know him, um, his ministry called Winning at Home. Um, he's got a wonderful word this morning. And would you please welcome Dan Seaborn this morning. Good morning, ladies. Well, first of all, I sent a text to Ken Reynolds and said, hey, I don't want to be the only man in the room. Where are you at, Ken? There he is in the back. Hey, and by the way, he sent me a text yesterday. Don't leave. Don't, don't leave while I'm speaking, okay? Um, you're preaching Sunday here, right? Did you guys know Ken is preaching Sunday morning? That's going to be awesome. And I'm going to come do worship. We're going to be fun. Just kidding. I'm speaking up in Nuego or I'd be here, man, and bless you. Ken and I do a lot of stuff together. He, uh, he mentioned to me to mention that we're doing an upcoming cruise. We've been doing this every other year. We have a pastor friend who just tries to help people who are in uh, marriage relationships keep those marriages strong. And Ken and I go, and he sings, and I preach. And we don't pay ourselves to do this. The, the pastor friend put this together at the cheapest cost possible because we really want to help marriages. So it's three pastors trying to help marriages. So if you guys want to be a part of that, make sure you check that out. Uh, Ken has been a brother of mine for a long time, and I'm thankful we've got to partner together because I love him like crazy and love his family. And he's loved my family through all our trials. Ken knows my ugly stuff. And uh, I'm just thankful he's been willing to stand by me and love me through those challenges. Pastor Karen, too. She has been a real encouragement to me. I was just watching her, thinking about her life, and thinking about when she started driving here this morning, thinking about being together in a while. I, I really think she invests a lot of time just thinking about what she could do, let, letting the Lord use her to bless you and to help you. And that takes a lot of effort and energy. That doesn't just happen. And so can you guys just thank Pastor Karen for what she does? It's important to do that. Knuckles. I have two messages to share this morning, uh, two. I'm going to share the first one, and then I'm going to be done with that one. Then I'm going to share the second one. Uh, the reason I'm doing that is because on Tuesday, I really felt the Lord lay this thought on my heart, and it happened because I received a letter from a lady, and the letter had words on it. I actually circled some of them. I'm not going to read a bunch of them. I'm just going to read a couple of them. Um, and I thought, that's what ladies feel. And I come this morning, and I look around the room, and if you haven't heard me say this before, this is my most intimidating audience. I would rather speak to 50,000 people than a group of women. And so I don't know why I keep saying yes other than, um, other than I do believe, having grown up in the home I grew up in, with a mom who was always put down by a dad, who was always uh, put down by her husband, she was just, I, w I would look at my mom's life as I look back now, you know, at being over 50 and looking back at my mom. Good grief. She dealt with so much stuff, and she still had an incredible joy for me. Uh, she made me just want to love life. She believed in me. When I look back, I go, how did she have any leftovers for me after all she dealt with? And so I have this desire <clears throat> to bring encouragement to you because I'm guessing that's some of your life. I was walking around praying earlier, then I watched a lot of you walk in when you didn't know I was watching you walk in, and a lot of you are carrying a baby. 
A lot of you are literally carrying it, and some of you in here. Uh, it's tiring. Dealing with those children, it's not in here. We all look fine, but you've got to go back out there. Some of you have three, four children, one, two. I'm at a table over here. They've got like 60 children at that one table. <laughs> and they've got to go put all those kids in a van or a car and go home. And that's tiring because that's where real life happens. And so I just want to speak first. The first message is this. I got this letter from this lady, and here were two of the words that she wrote. And I circled them because I thought, that's what somebody in this room feels today. I'm tired. So she said, I'm tired. Uh, She also wrote this. I'm alone. Some of you are around people a lot, but you feel very alone. You're married, and you feel very alone. You got kids around you all the time, and you feel very alone. You don't feel understood. You don't feel like anybody gets it. You don't feel like anybody else really understands all you're dealing with and the emotional stuff. I get it. I I, I do. I've got a lot of woman in me, and I, I am that type person. And sometimes I just think to myself, does anybody get me? And so if you feel that today, you're pretty normal. And I just want to read this to you. I just want to read it to you because your strength will never be found in people. It'll be encouraging. They can lift you up a little bit. They can say a nice word, but they are not your strength. And that's what's wrong with our world. Our world runs around trying to find strength in each other in the bars, uh, having promiscuity, uh, doing all the things that we do. The world is out chasing something that helps them feel okay about themselves you don't have to chase for that you might need to find to have somebody to have a conversation with have a little friendship with all that stuff awesome but you do not need to chase your value and your purpose and knowing that you're important and here's why because it says in Romans if God is for us who can be against us He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also then freely give us all things? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can tribulation, can distress, can persecution, can famine, can nakedness, can peril, can sword, can a husband? Can kids separate you from the love of God? No. In all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through Him who loves us. Because I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present are things to come. No created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So today, I just want message number one is this. God has got you, and he sees you right now, and he knows the spot you're in. I saw some of you weeping during worship, not because the worship was so good and you were into it, because you're stinking hurting. And God says, I I can help you be more than a conqueror over that. And I want you to believe that today. And that might be the most important message that I share for somebody here today. And now, we go to message number two. 
this message number two um, is going to be for all of us who are parents. And I realize that Impact is a women's group and not everyone in here is a parent. I get that. And I realize that most of us in this room at some point have been or currently are parenting children in our house right now. I, I get that. But I want you to know, as I share today, one of the reasons I share it is my kids are all adults. They're 33 down to 23. But I have six grandchildren now, and I find I am not their parent. Thank you, Jesus. I am not those grandkids' parent, but I still greatly influence those children's lives. I saw that. I saw it over Christmas. I see it right now. And so today I'm going to talk to you about parenting children. I'm not going to get into the teens and all that stuff. Maybe I'll do that next year. Today we're going to talk about parenting children. I'll talk about some things related to teenage and that kind of thing because what happens in these years of parenting children uh, are very formative in the future of those children. And I want you to hear a couple of things. I love the scriptures that say things like this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Train them up in the way they should go so that when they're old... They will not depart from it. Love those two verses. Um, and yet I would say to you, there are times, see if y'all relate to this, there are times in your life and in parenting and when the kids are all running around, the scriptures on the wall, the scriptures in the head, they're wonderful, but I need a little more help. And today I'm trying to bring what I would call a little, a little wind behind those verses. To kind of show you what they can look like if you live with them in your house every day. And I want to do that by saying, you know, our goal as parents is to try to nail it, man. We want to try to be the best parent possible. And some of you have seen, I think I've shown this before. I'm going to show it to you again, though. As a, as a mom, a grandma, whatever you are, uh, your, your goal is to, man, nail it. So I saw this picture. It's a picture of uh, a lady. A lady uh, tried to do the same picture she saw in a magazine with her kid. So up top was, you know, what she saw in the magazine. Down bottom was her effort at home. <laughs> and that's what it feels like some days. It's like, man, I nailed it. Well, I guess I did. Because that's about the best you can do. Another picture I'm going to show up that's real life. And this one's kind of crazy. But the mom, see her over there? She's getting ready to go out on the town. She finally, the husband's going to watch the kid. Look at the back of his pants. <laughs> that poor little kid. I mean, the mom, neither one of them have a clue. And that's what parenting is. That's the real world right there. And I want to talk about, as you're raising up your children, and again, this will apply different stages. I'm a grandparent. It still hits me really strong. I want to talk to you. I'm going to give you what I call the three C's of parenting children. Three C's of parenting children. Okay, I keep it very simple. There could be 50,000 C's, but I'm just going to talk about three of them this morning. And they're going to come up on the screen, and, and I want to kind of explain them to you. The first one is, you need to understand when you have children, you're raising these children, one of the most important things you'll do right here is to build character. And character is being built in your home all the time. All the time. This morning, you built character in your children. When you say to them, hey, it's time to do this, now go do it, teaching them and Helping them get along the path of doing that thing you ask them to do is building character. And it's tiring. 
I can remember times when I would call Jane and I was on my way home from the office and she would say to me, when you get home today, so-and-so has done such-and-such. And I, I remember when I was in my 30s thinking, boy, I'd love to go to the golf course. <laughs> I don't want to go deal with this stuff. It's tiring. It wears you out. And when you have small children, it doesn't stop. You don't finish at the end of the day and go, wake up tomorrow. I'll be good. Nope, got to do it all over again. And some of you are blessed with one of those children that are really tough. There's compliant and there's non-compliant children. That's just part of it. That's how they came out. I had four children. Two of them were very compliant. Two of them were not. Happened to be the boys compliant. The girls weren't. That's trouble. Drama with drama extra. And that stuff is tiring. And sometimes as a parent, you want to give up. You just want to go, I'm too tired. I ain't got it anymore. I can remember one of the times uh, I was coming home from work and Jane called me and Josh, um, our son, he was just a little boy, and she said, babe, when you get home from work today, we got to deal with something. I was like, what's going on? She's like, well, Josh cheated at school today. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, he got caught cheating on a test and he got in pretty big trouble. And so when you get home, I've left that for you to deal with. Well, bless you. Thank you so much. So thankful. And I was really angry and irritated. I remember driving home going, I don't have time for this, man. I'm working on sermons. I don't have time to work with these kids' stuff. And, and I was irritated and I was frustrated. And I was thinking what I was going to say to him when I got home. I was going to go in that house and I'm going to get on him. And the funny part is the Lord, as I was going through all that, I remember the Lord reminding me that when I was in the same grade... I cheated too. And I remember going, wow, he's a normal kid. And I remember I got home and Josh was in what I call the wobble room. I established when my kids were young, I had what I called the wobble room. It was just my office. But I call it the wobble room. So if we had issues we had to deal with the kids, I'd go, hey, meet me in the wobble room. Meaning we're going to go back and forth. We're going to figure this out. So I said, meet me in the wobble room. So he was sitting. Josh was my most fearful child. My first child, I used to, I always, I actually thought my first child, Alan, had a shot at being the next Hitler. That kid was strong, man. He was mean. He turned out to be a pastor. He's fine. But it was rough. It was rough. Josh was my crier. Josh cried all the time. You could look at him and start crying. I mean, we would, I remember the kids would walk in the house from church on Wednesday night because Jane would take them. I was a youth pastor. And they'd walk in the house. I don't think I remember a Wednesday night that Josh didn't come home crying. And we, Alan would walk through the door, open the door, and go, hey, Dad, welcome, you're a crying child. I mean, you know, the oldest brother, just rubbing it in. That made him cry louder. <laughs> so Josh had cheated, and he was sitting in the wobble room waiting for me to walk into the wobble room, and he was scared to death. Uh, and I remember walking in, and he was sitting on the side, and I said, So, J-Man, you cheated at school today, huh? He goes, yeah, what are you going to do? And I said, well, we got some, we got some stuff we got to deal with, man. This is called building character. You have to do it because you're the person who God has entrusted them to. This is not easy. This doesn't stop. It happens every day. And I said, well, Josh, first of all, um, you need to know as I was driving home, I remember when I was your age, he had no idea this was coming. I said, Josh, you need to know when I was your age, I, 
I cheated too. I remember him looking up. His eyes lifted. And he went, you did? It's almost like freedom. You know, I was like, yeah, I cheated, bro. He goes, what happened? I said, that's the part we're going to talk about. I said, my mom was a very strong disciplinarian, Josh, and she, uh, she did the stuff she needed to do with me at home, and then she made me go to the school and meet with her and the teacher and had me apologize to the teacher in front of her. And he's like, we're not doing that, are we? I was like, yeah, actually, we're... No, Dad, Dad, I'll do... What do you... I'll do... Because he was not the kind of kid that liked confrontation. And I said, no, that's what we're going to do, bro. He said, no, Dad, no! Do you know what's funny? He is... He is 30 years old right now. I talked to him yesterday on the phone. He still remembers that story. Because he would tell you, that was a day that I learned, don't go cheating. Are you going to pay some consequences? And I want to say to you today, children don't learn that stuff um, when they're 30. They learn it when they're little. Those memories that are stuck in his head are there forever. And today, when you go home and you have a child who's out of control and bad behavior and stuff that you don't want to deal with, go ahead and deal with it because that's how you build character. Now, here's what I want to say. Some of you, um, I'm guessing, are single moms, and some of you don't have a husband's support. I have a lady who I'm friends with who her husband doesn't give her the backup to do that stuff. And I'll say to her, press on. It'll pay off. But listen, it probably won't pay off for a while. Grade your parenting and all the things you're doing right now, for those of you who have young children, grade your parenting when your kids turn 30. Don't grade it this afternoon. You're not going to go real high. It's life. And your goal is to be watching for spots in your, children's, in your children's life where you can build character because character is what will make them become the man and woman they need to be for the Lord. Jesus was a man of character. And I got a feeling Joseph and Mary poured a lot of that into him. You say, well, he was born the son of God. Yeah, he still lived in the real world. And believe it or not, the times that Jesus grew up in were even tougher than ours. And he turned out quite well. And I say to you today, keep building character in your children. And then the second thing, and this is what I want to talk about the most, be consistent. Anybody can build character for an afternoon. But I want, you to, t I want to talk to you a little bit about the consistency of your life. So when our children were little, we had four. I was a youth pastor, and I was really busy. I mean, when you're a youth pastor, you got things at night, etc. And so I observed a lot of teens. We had, at one point, five or 600 kids in this youth group that I had the privilege of pastoring, and I saw about everything there was to see. I saw incredibly conservative parents who I thought were too conservative and had too many rules and regulations. I remember one con very conservative couple that came into my office and they were, they were very angry at their daughter. And I remember going, man, she was like 15, 16. I'm thinking, oh, what has she done? And I remember them asking for a private meeting with me. They closed the door. They said, Dan, we got to talk to you. I was like, hey, what's going on, man? What's your daughter done? Her name was Tracy. I remember. I remember her last name. And I said, what, what's Tracy done? They're like, well, 
we found a candy bar in her coat pocket. And I'm, I'm a youth pastor, you know. I'm like, dude, I got candy bars in all my pockets. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's the problem with that? They're like, we don't allow our children to eat candy bars. And I'm like, why not? That's, that's the rule of our home. And I was like, wow. And I, rem- I remember saying, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> they didn't like me. They really didn't. I said, I think you guys are a little over the top. I mean, I thought you were going to tell me she'd been doing some crazy stuff. All she did was eat a Snickers. <laughs> Come on. So I had really conservative parents, and I had really liberal parents. I remember some of them would let their kids go do stuff, and I would say to myself, what the world? You can't do that. What kind of parents are you? Why don't you just send them to hell? I mean, that kind of thing. It was like, you can't do that. And what I observed over my 10 years of youth pastor was, sometimes the really, really conservative parents, sometimes their kids turned out great, and sometimes they didn't. And those really, those liberal parents that to me were unreal, sometimes their kids turned out terrible, sometimes they turned out great. And I remember saying to Jane, there's something here that we need to try to understand because it's not, it's not how you choose to parent. It must be something to do with some of the things you're teaching, even in both those styles that is getting through to those children. So here's what we did. I said to her, we need to be consistent in whatever we agree on. And me and you need to come up with some guidelines for our children that we say to them when they're very young, this is going to be what we live and die for. And so I established um, in our home, some of you may have seen me show this before, we did this little, this little thing. It just, it just says, Dad Mom's Rules of the Home. And I want to tell you what this is. So I said to Jane, we got to establish some rules that we say, these are the things we as Mom and Dad are willing to die for. And it won't be a thousand things. Really conservative parents usually have a a thousand things. Really liberal parents usually don't have any. And I said, I want to establish something that we can put in our home that will help our children be good people, love the Lord, hopefully and prayerfully in the end. Because you can't make your children accept Christ. I mean, you try. Usually it doesn't work. You want your children to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ because they desire that and they have seen that example in you because you're a person of character. So I said to Jane, here's what we're going to do. I picked a really liberal parent whose kids turned out great. And I picked a really, I thought, freaky conservative parent whose kids turned out great. And I said, we're going to go out to dinner with them. And they're not going to know this, but we're going to pick their brain. And we're going to ask them, what'd you do? Your kids are now older. We love how your children have turned out. We want our children to be like this. They seem to be making a difference for the Lord. That's what we want. Tell us what you did. And so that's what we did. We took these people out to dinner. They didn't know it. We were asking them questions. And then when we got done, we did actually three sets. We did a conservative, or liberal, I think I pointed over here, liberal, middle ground, and conservative. That's what we did, three couples. And then after that, I said to Jane, I said, baby, here's what we're going to do. I want you to go, and I want you to pray and ask the Lord to show you what was the consistent thing that each of them said. What was the thing that as we talked to them, now their children have become adults, what was the thing that we go, wow, that's, that's cool. And I said, you go and you pray, and I'll go and pray, and we'll come back together, and let's, let's put our list together. And when we put our list together, there were five things on it. 
that we felt like we had heard them say that the Lord then put on us. Again, we prayed together. Like when you come up afterwards, you can see this, whatever. Don't, this is not your list for your home. This is what we prayed and the Lord showed us for our house. I believe that same thing will happen for you. The Lord will give you some guidelines. And all you're looking for is, here is to be consistent. I believe that Joseph and Mary were consistent to Jesus. Because consistency, watch this, brings security. When your children see that you're consistently, this is, you know, my kids always heard this. They would say something like, well, dad, so-and-so doesn't do that. So-and-so, they get to do this and this and this. And all I would say to my children is, what's your last name? <laughs> and what do you mean? I said, what's your last name? Seaborn. I said, ah, oh, that's interesting. That's not their last name, is it? I said, that's what they do over in that house. Over in this house, this is what we do. So Jane and I made this up. Our children were young. I remember I brought it to the dinner table, and I said, hey, guys, Mom and I want to share something with you tonight. We've got this little uh, list of guidelines and rules that Mom and I are going to follow first. Did y'all hear that? These are things that Mom and I are going to do first to set an example, because Mom and I are people of character, and we're going to be consistent in this, and we ask you to join us. And y'all got to hear this next phrase. I really said this out loud, and I'm, I'm going to show you how it came full circle. I said to the children, if there comes a day in your life, they're little now. Right now, they got no problem with this. But I know teen years are coming. I said, if there comes a day in your life that you don't like these guidelines and rules, then you choose to leave our home. I will never kick you out. You will choose to leave our home because you can't live here unless you're willing to do these things. That's what I said. And I said, and mom and I, same thing. Now, in our house, what would happen was over the course of time, like in here, um, one of the rules of our home was this. Only positive attitudes are allowed to stay. So what that meant was, I said to the children, every now and then, we all going to have bad attitudes. It's life. But we don't just allow that to be bred in the house. When somebody has a bad attitude, I'm going to say, hey, hey, change attitude, man. I don't like that. We had it a lot. Guess who had it sometimes? Me. I can remember my own children going over and say, hey, Dad, we're all at home. You need to lose that attitude. My children used the rules on me. And they were right. And I had to honor that because I asked it of them. Listen to me. Don't ask things of your children you aren't willing to do yourself. Set an example. So I said to the children, and so over the course of life, let me just tell you what happened. Over the course of life, my two compliant boys, no problem. Kids, that, yeah, got it, Dad, I know. That was there a long time ago. Yep, we get it. That's part of the home. We know. That's what, mm. And then along came these girls. And the first one did okay. She didn't handle it so good. But I want to talk more about Anna because y'all know Anna. You've prayed for Anna. I remember when Anna was 16. She said, I can't do that stuff anymore. And I said, are you telling me you're choosing not to live here? I am, Dad. I'm not doing that. And I said, okay. I said, I want you to know I'm not kicking you out. You're choosing to leave because you can't live here and break all these rules. This is still my home because this isn't. You're choosing to leave. And she said, I am. I don't like these rules. I'm not going to follow them. There's another way and it's a better way. And I said, okay. One of the hardest days of my life. I remember 
Listen, y'all know I lead an organization called Winning at Home, right? She drove her white Jetta into the Winning at Home parking lot. And Jane and I were standing in the parking lot, and we hugged our daughter goodbye. And she said, I'm leaving because I don't like what this home stands for. I prayed for her. I hugged her. Um, we knew she was going to leave. She was going to go to South Carolina in her car. I didn't know. She had 300 bucks on her. I didn't know if she'd, I don't even know if the car would make it. But she was hell-bent on making sure she didn't do this stuff. And we said, okay. I'm not telling you that was easy. In fact, I'm telling you it was probably one of the hardest days I've ever lived in my life to hold my wife and watch my daughter drive away not knowing if she'd ever come home. I didn't know. Now, as you listen to me today, you might go, well, I wouldn't do it. I'd do it a different way. That's fine. Great news. As a parent, you get to choose to do it however you choose to do it. But make sure you're seeking, the God in the, seeking God in the middle of all that because you will need his strength on those days. And I'm going to make a long story short. You prayed for Anna. I would publicly share this. Anna gives me permission to publicly share this stuff, which is a blessing now because my goal is to encourage others. So Anna was gone for four to five years. Jane's always better with dates. If you ever see her, ask her. She can tell you if you want to know details. I'm just kind of long time. And she came home. She finally came home, and she was sitting in the, in the kitchen one day. She's 21 at that point, 22, because she just turned 23. So she's probably 22. It's probably last year. And, and Jane had gone somewhere, so it's just me and Anna in the house. And I looked over at her. I said, Anna, I want to know something. She said, what is it, Dad? I said, um, why did you come home? What made you go I want to go back home. And she said, well, one morning, Dad, I'd, I'd, I'd drinking, doing all the stuff I do, drugs. She said, I went to sleep in South Carolina, and I fell asleep outside on a picnic table. And she said, I woke up. It was 3.30. And she said, I woke up laying on a picnic table, rank, stinky, all the stuff that goes with it. And she said, I thought to myself, and she got up off the bar stool. She got up off the bar stool in our kitchen, and she started walking across the room. I'm like, where's she going? She said, Dad, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning, and I thought to myself, what am I doing? My dad and mom have created a very safe home, a safe place for me. I want that safety again. I want all the things. Listen, she was walking. She stopped. She picked this up. She said, I sat on that picnic table and I thought to myself, this is what I want. I started crying. I was like, are you serious, babe? She goes, yeah. Because I realized everything you had done there was what I was looking for. And I thought I'd find it. And it just kept getting emptier and emptier and emptier. And I remembered it's there when I'm ready. Isn't that Jesus right there, by the way? And she said, and you never close the door. Like, Absolutely not. You're my daughter. And she said, yeah, but I, I have friends whose parents said, all right, you do that. You're out. You're out of the wheel. You're out. I said, you can't be out. You are my daughter. It's just like I am God's kid. I might reject him for a while, but he never rejects me. I said, you always welcome here, baby. 
this principle that I gave my children when they were little paid off. The consistency of saying, hey, I believe God gave us these guidelines and I'm not going to just bail on them. I wanted to. When she said she was going to leave, I wanted to go, let's just fold this down for a few days, Lord. No, it's not best. And interestingly to me, that this would come to her mind on a picnic table in South Carolina after a drunken stupor. Anna uh, had a baby five days ago. Um, yeah, I had a little, had a little boy, Elisha Love. She named him sitting in the sanctuary here at, at Rez when I was preaching that jar, the jars, empty jars sermon I did. She was, I talked about Elisha, and when I said his name, she said the Lord told her to name the baby Elisha. And so she's had a baby five days ago. You guys, I can, I'll make the story really relevant and really near. Last night, last night, Jane and I were in the kitchen area, and I was sitting over on the couch, and she was saying, Mom and Dad, you guys raised me from this like this. It would be like my little boy right here running away from me. What was I thinking, Mom and Dad? All you did for me, and I treated you that way, I am so sorry. This year at Christmas, um, we got to the end of our old Christmas time, and she said, is everybody done with Christmas? And we're all like, yeah. And she said, well, there's one more thing. And she said, I, I need to give Mom and Dad something. She said, I've been saving all my money, Mom and Dad. And she said, I can't imagine how much you've done for me over the years. I don't even realize, and I don't have a lot. But everything I have, Mom and Dad, here it is. I was like, I can't take your money yet. And, and um, I, just, I just cried. I was like, why are you doing this? She goes, because I just got to gotta show you at least that I thank you for all you've done. And I'm telling you guys, I stand here today hearing things out of my daughter's mouth in the past two or three days. I never dreamed I would hear. And it came from consistency. Through the years. So today, those of you who have the little two-year-old who's running around at your feet, driving you crazy, hang in there. Teach the things and the principles that apply from God's Word to your children because I really do believe they ring true. And you're here and you say, well, Dan, I have a wayward brother and sister and they're 50-something. Hmm? Hmm? Happens. And I just always say, never give up because God can do miracles. And it might be after I'm dead and gone some of that stuff happens. But I will believe in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. And I will parent based on the fact that I believe He is the eternal God who has my kids in His life before they're in my life. Anna was God's daughter before He was mine. And when you parent that way, First of all, it takes some of the pressure off. <laughs> I remember days going, she's yours, God. I'm really glad. <laughs> and your consistency will win. And children today need consistency. And you are probably the person that the Lord has put in that child's life to provide that. And I want you to do it. I don't have time to talk about the third one because I want you to have time to discuss at the table, but I at least want to tell it to you. Is make sure you celebrate in your homes. Hey, make sure your home has some celebration in it. Kids love to enjoy life.
Um, and I want to just say to you, in our home, like, like this year, even, even with my grandchildren, I'll give you a little example of how I try to do that. I bought a Christmas gift that I knew all the grandkids, I knew they'd love it, but I gave it to myself. So then I opened it up. I went, look what Papa got. Hey, let's all play with this. And I had a ball. I mean, my son yesterday said, could you send another video of you playing with that? Because my son, these two, loves to see the video. Have fun with your children. But give them that security that will last a lifetime. Um, I, I have a grandson named Jackson. Uh, his, his mom and dad, his, his stepdad now, uh, Brandon, works here. Because Chrissy is remarried to Brandon, who works here. came, if you saw a guy come in and say hi to me, that's my son-in-law. He works here. And he's now raising Jackson, him and Chrissy. Jackson's my little grandson. Who's, he's five, and he had his leg, as the one that had the leg amputated at, at one. So he has a little prosthetic. But if he came in here, you wouldn't know it. He can run around, jump. He's crazy. And... Um, Parents went through a divorce. He's five. I mean, just, just stop and think about it. That's a lot for a five-year-old to go through. Losing a leg, losing a parent through divorce, or at least not parents, but losing the consistency there. So he's at my house probably December 12th, a week or so before Christmas, a couple weeks. He spent the night with us. And I realize all these things I taught to my children, I'm doing some of that with him too. You grandparents, you are not done. Now, you're not the parent. The good news is I can say, all right, see you. But I can still build into him while he's at my house. And so I got him there and I'm putting him to bed, just me and him laying in the bed. I'm praying with him, having fun with him, telling him stories, laughing with him, celebrating. And then I said, J-Man. So I call him J-Man. He goes, yeah. I said, you doing okay? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you've gone through a lot. You're five, but you've been through a lot already, man. Your parents, you know, mom and dad got divorced, and, you know, I, I talk about this stuff with my kids, grandkids. I'm like, that's not easy, man. You doing okay? I'm doing okay, Papa. I said, well, I'm proud of you. We leg. He has a little prosthetic. He takes it off at night, so I tickle him on the bottom of his little stump area, and he laughs. It's so fun. We have a ball laughing. And then I said, um... Jackson, I need to tell you something. Our hand, we were holding hands like this. And I said, Jackson, I need to tell you something. He said, what, Papa? I said, you've lost a lot of things in your life, up and down. You've had some ups and downs. But I want to tell you, I am your Papa, and that can never change. I will always be your Papa. He goes, so that can't go away? I said, can't go away. I can't not unbe your Papa. I'm your Papa, and I will always be your Papa. Watch this. His hand. Went for, we were holding hands like this. He moved his hand and did this. I'm a big interlocker, so that was really big to me. He interlocked with me, and I prayed over him, and he hugged me really tight. And I, he said, Papa, you won't ever leave me. I said, well, I will. I will when I die. And he said, is that soon? Because, <laughs> you know, when you're five, you look at this, and you go, it's about over. You know what I mean? I said, well, I hope not. I'm here for a while. So we prayed. He went to sleep. The next morning, I got up. I'm going to do some errands. Him and his sister, Naya, are at the house. And I said, hey, J-Man, Naya, I'm leaving. I got to go for a little. Come give Papa a hug. So she came, gave me a hug. And then Jackson came to give me a hug. And he comes up. He's on me. He's got his arms on me. Y'all know, if you're a grandparent or a parent, you know, they're hugging you like crazy. I said, J-Man, I forgot something. I said, oh, Papa never asked you what you want this year for Christmas. Papa always gives you something crazy. What do you want for Christmas? He leaned off me. He looked me right in the face and he grabbed my face. He said, Papa, 
I want to take a picture with you, and I want you to blow it up, and I want you to put it in a frame, because all I want for Christmas is a picture of me and you together. I, I was like, wait, wait, what? Don't you want Hot Wheels? He goes, no. Because I got a Hot Wheels track at the house. It's my own. He comes over and plays with it. It's cool. <laughs> but I said, Don't you want some Hot Wheel cars? He said, no, I want a picture of me and you to put in my room. You know what he was saying? I want security. And y'all need to know, when he opened his little Christmas gift, a picture of me and him, he literally, I could cry. He literally went, oh, this is all I wanted. And he took it. And he went like this. And he went over to the corner of the room. And he stood by himself and he just held it. And I was like, holy cow. This kid just wants consistency. Hey, guys, all your kids want, look, is it, do, you, do y'all know, I started the message, do y'all know what y'all want in life? Somebody do that. Message number one led to message number two. And y'all get to leave here today, and I know they wear you out, but you're the one who gets to do this, and I know they pull away and go, save, leave me alone. I get it. <laughs> but I can tell you down deep, let me tell you what kids love, to be loved, and to know I'm going to be here for you. So go give them that today. And if you do that, I believe you'll be winning at home. Lord God, thank you for these moms, grandmas, aunts, sisters. Bless them. Impactors. Going home to give some hugs. To give some discipline. (laughs) To do it consistently until that child is old enough to be on their own. Protect the children in this room. Literally, there would be hundreds represented. Would you, Lord, allow them to grow up to serve you with all their heart? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dan.